Spark Nation. I'm Jim Wyant, founder of ETF.com and CEO of Spark Network. And this is Pennies from Heaven, a podcast featuring choice insights and lively debate with all the biggest names in the ETF world and beyond. Join us each week to receive Pennies from Heaven straight from the nattering nabobs of investment as they discuss hot button topics and what's to come. Unless you've been living under a rock, you'll know that ESG and climate investment in particular is all the rage in the investment world. According to a Morningstar report from April of this year, sustainability-based funds have attracted record inflows in 2021, with assets now over $2 trillion. On today's episode, you'll hear me speak with iClima co-founders Gabby Herculano and Shella Lika about this strong investor interest in low-carbon investment. Gabby and Shella tell me how they use CO2 avoidance as a metric for decarbonization impact and talk about the investment opportunities in energy generation at the point of use from software to electric vehicles, as well as green hydrogen. They also tell me about the important roles those industries and sectors will play in innovation, impact and returns. Hi, everyone. It's Jim Wyant from Spark Network, and I've got a treat for you here today. I've got the two founders of iClima. You can find them at iClima.earth. They are Gabriella Herculano and Shaila Lika. They have come up with an extremely interesting methodology to, to give pure play access to the decarbonization space. That's my shorthand, I think, of what you guys do. Would love to hear a little bit about how the two of you came together and, and why you, you've gotten into the decarbonization space. Whoever wants to tackle, Gabby. Okay, I'll go first. Shelly and I, we worked together at GE Capital for many years, so we have a similar background in, in risk. So we're very good, I think, at understanding um, the macro events shaping up an investment opportunity. And we both went to Wharton. That's how we first met. Two years her senior, I'm class of 2002. She's class of 2004. And then she left to join Fitch. I left to um, move to Asia, where I was for about five years in Singapore. When I moved back, we reconnected. And uh, we were both thinking of doing something, an entrepreneur and doing something together. And we looked very much into the space. The motivation was to do something that would be truly impactful and unique and relevant. And of course, we did leverage the, the background in renewable energy and our um, experience underwriting investments into the space. But immediately for us, it had to be beyond renewable energy, right? That's just one element of it. So we came across the findings of Project Drawdown and we were very much um, impressed by their approach. Not only it's broad in that they look at all the 100 existing solutions that could um, bring the planet to that carbon neutrality, but they quantified. And, and for us, that was a wow moment, right? That quantification, right? You state your purpose and you show that metric and you quantify as a proxy for impact. So we very much wanted to bring this to market. We looked at the space of the investment products and then two things that became very clear to us, right? That ETF 
was our what and the how, and our why was very much the decarbonization. ETF is a very well understood product, is tax efficient, is liquid, is inexpensive. That's a lot of the reasons why it's booming, and we wanted to be associated with that. And, and then we looked at the, at the existing ETFs with that climate change focus, and there was a very clear void. So a, a very different approach, I think, is easy to find in the market space of the funds that look at the companies doing less harm, reducing scope two emissions, rightly so, right? But those are the low carbon, very broad, 1,500 constituents, or the very narrow one, 25 names, and it's very much clean energy focus. And, and we thought that that was this big void that we really wanted to fill. And I think we did. We launched last year, London Stock Exchange listing on December 8th. We are growing AUM pretty fast. In 2020, we're up 83%. The long-term trend, I think, is crystal clear. So we're very excited about what we're doing. That's great. Shyla, can you talk a little bit about sort of the big picture opportunity? Obviously, really a shifting dynamic in the U.S. with a new administration, presumably more carbon, low carbon friendly. And really, from my perspective, from the investment perspective, the most interest and genuine excitement I think I've seen in the ESG space largely, but especially carbon ever. So could you talk about that a little bit and sort of how you see the path forward for iClima? Sure, I'd be happy to. I think you're exactly right. It seems to be a really interesting moment, a tipping point. We've heard people say over and over, and it certainly feels that way to us. I know this last month of February in 2021 was the largest inflows of, ES of funds into ESG ETFs, about 19 billion. And so the global market is now over 200 billion, and that's up from just under 100 billion at the end, at the beginning of last year. So it's great to see. And as Gabby mentioned, I was at Fitch where we were creating the ESG product for fixed income in 2019. And that's where I first saw this real interest in investors looking at ESG and climate more closely, asset owners, asset managers. When we started looking at this space, Gabby and I, when we formed the company that year, there was this real sort of confusion. So we set about trying to figure out how can we bring a more analytical and quantitative approach to doing that. In the US right now, we see that there's a great momentum with the Biden administration. We see policies, for instance, President Biden had said that he wants to make the entire federal fleet of commercial vehicles electric um, and was ready to award a contract for that, the USPS. So moves like that, we see more and more of those coming um, down the road, but not just the US. I think everyone is clear. The EU has certainly led the way. There's no doubt about that with the EU Green Deal and China equally. It has set a target of being net zero by 2060. And while that might seem later, the other countries, we are absolutely certain that their impact will be huge. They already have the largest installed capacity of renewable energy assets. So they're going to be catching up very quickly. So for iClimate, it, it's really important. We do feel like there has been this tipping point and when we feel well-placed because with this inflow of funds into the ESG space, as I mentioned earlier, there's also been this real diffusion and proliferation of products. And when we came into this space, what we saw, again, was that confusion about how certain ESG funds are defining themselves from climate-linked funds that have this broad 1,500 group of companies, sometimes very, no, uh, very narrow, just renewable energy companies, and then a plethora of ESG funds with 
very questionable impact. And I saw that firsthand when we were creating that ESG product at fixed income. So because Gabby and I have very much that background that's steeped in analytical thinking and investments, we wanted to bring that to iClima. We wanted to sit down and think, well, how can we think about carbon and investment funds in a more analytical way? And that's why we spent the past year, it certainly wasn't easy, the past year before we created our first fund, really digging in to which companies are making that difference, starting from a big top-down approach of the sectors that will really decarbonize the planet, and then bottom up into the companies that are really making that difference. So there's impact there, but what we're really excited about is these companies are the ones that are gonna be the winners in the future because they're offering the solutions. So it's such a win-win. And that quantification, it's really a proxy for us to see how these companies are going to benefit in the long run, because the greater their ability to avoid carbon emissions with their solutions, the greater the potential for their growth in the future. And it's as simple as that. So our first product looked across the spectrum. We have 158 companies across 28 subsectors, none of them more than one and a half percent of the entire portfolio. So it's well diversified. It's a tiered approach. And all of those companies we think are well positioned to really offer the solutions where they're set for real growth. Our second product is looking at a very specific area. It's looking at distributed generation. We see this energy transition being a, a major shift coming down the road, and it could be 10 years or 15 years, but it's going to happen. And it's all about energy generation at the point of use. So the ecosystem that exists around that, it's the software that enables smart management of energy. It's the solutions that allow, for instance, electric vehicles generating energy to return that power to homes or to the grid and a number of different items. So our second product is very focused on that innovation. And our third project uh, product, look out for that down the road is very much focused on green hydrogen. And so with these three, we've quantified what their solutions could have in terms of impact, in terms of decarbonizing, but we've also put together what we think are the real winners in the shift to a low carbon future. Yeah, it's a great answer. I was, I was gonna ask you what's more important returns or impact to you when you think about things. And you were sort of saying we can have both what do you think is really, when you get down to the most important thing for you and for iClimb, what is that? Is it performance or is it impact? Or do you have to choose? What's your thought uh, on that? I, I think we lead with innovation, right? I love how Kathy Wood always talks about that, right? Technology solves problems. We need to decarbonize. And how do we do that? The obvious answer is renewable energy, but it goes beyond, right? Green hydrogen, fuel cells, measurement instruments, vehicles to grid, taking that electric vehicle idea to the power and to its full extent. So electric vehicles will put um, a pressure on the grid, um, it, a, a house that attempts to decarbonize and not necessarily go off grid, but, but become almost self-sufficient, right? Will increase if you add one electric vehicle and heat pumps, right? For So you're, you're electrifying your transportation needs and your heating needs, your, your consumption of energy will grow by a, as much as 40%, right? So, so electric vehicles are part of the solution, but they will stress the grid system, but they can again, be part of um, the second layer solution, right, with the vehicles to grid, right, all that battery inside the cars, we're talking about 245 million cars 
inventory by 2030, right? It's 10 years, we're all gonna be alive by that. And this is somewhat of a conservative forecast by the IEA. So it's technology that will solve the problem. It's technology solving decarbonization and translates into high revenue. Companies are growing very fast and it's that bottom of the S-shaped curve that we're observing as of now, right? But that's how is expected that Tesla will get to, to, to 60 million cars, right? Inventory by 2030. That's a very material number from the 500,000, right? That they sold last year. So with that comes returns, with that comes margin, comes market share, it got, it, it, and then stock performance, right? So we, we lead with innovation. We expect the companies to perform well. And we think that it, it's... Um, they come together because they they decarbonize, they problem solve, they gain market share, they sell fast, and it's a very positive uh, sort of ecosystem getting built. So 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 definitely the returns with the potential avoided emissions. It's that drives everything that we look at. Right? Is that ability to allow the world to continue to move forward, but with a low carbon footprint. And, and I guess for Shaila, what do you what do you see as kind of the size of the opportunity for iClima? Like, where do you see iClima being in five years? What I would love to see is that we have put together a suite of products like the ones that we've already created, finding more innovations, finding more opportunities to really invent those companies making a real impact um, and eventually grow, growing. So we've started out here in Europe. We're launching our products in the U.S. this summer, and we're going to look beyond that by the end of 2022 and 2023. We have certain partnerships in place already to provide the data behind our indices to certain players in Asia, in Australia. So we hope to be in five years, I would say, a truly global company with a really well thought out suite of indices of products, investment vehicles for investors that are making, that provide opportunities to make that kind of investment in companies that are innovating and providing the future of how the world is going to live and be able to decarbonize. And just to touch quickly on the point you mentioned before, so that question of impact is very close to my heart. So the majority of my career has been spent in investment, project finance and infrastructure and energy But I've also done that within the multilateral space. And I've also worked in public service here in the UK. And so this question of impact is absolutely still very close to our heart. But we don't want to confuse that. We want to make that impact. We want the companies in our portfolio to be the real champions. So we do have screens in place that negatively screen, which we don't have to, certain aspects of decarbonizing potential. So we believe, to your earlier question, that you don't have to compromise on one to make the other. And that's the beauty of the model. If, if you are truly the champions that are going to provide those opportunities to decarbonize the world, you will be the winners because there's no doubt that the world is transitioning very quickly into this low carbon future. That's great. Thanks so much, both of you, Gabby and Shaila. Really enjoyed the time and uh, appreciate your time. Thanks for listening. Pennies from Heaven was produced by Spark Network, Jim Wyant, and Elizabeth Thompson. Our theme music is Pearl Charles's Take Your Time. You can find her music at pearlcharlesmusic.bandcamp.com. For more episodes, find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and sparknetwork.com. Thank you.